the introduction to this podcast was recorded many, 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 many eons ago. Back at the start of 2020. But we thought it was funny, so we're leaving it in. Happy New Year. Sorry. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> tea, how are ye? Welcome to the Candle Tales podcast. We are sitting in the office. It's a bit cold, but we're about to record our new podcast. I'm Aaron and I'm sitting down with my sister, Surika. And I'm sitting down with my brother, Aaron. And we are, we're in the office. It's not cold though, you turn the radiator on. I mean, it's cold outside. I, I was out here recording this story earlier and I left it kind of get too hot at the start and, and then it turned it off yeah. and then by the end of the story I was fucking frozen that's the problem with the shop is heating yeah it just evaporates there's no insulation it's a shed yeah it's literally a shed it it's a shed that I that I use as an office but I mean, it's a shed I also had to re-record well I didn't re-record anything because the first time I told the story I didn't press the button so I just told the story into the vacuum of the shafas. Do you know what? This is actually, you know, I often say we don't appreciate our listeners enough. You know, you, you had a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You had a very direct experience of that yeah, like, this oh evening. God, I told a story to absolutely no one. And wasn't it shite? It was a bit shite. Um, anyway, poor Aaron. Uh, now we're going to let you get on with the actual story. Yes. That you did yeah. remember to press record for. Thankfully, thankfully. So right. we're going to tell you the uh, the death of Coo Cullen. And if you want to support us on Patreon, you can find us on patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales. Do you want to change in the change jar? I don't know. It feels awkward. It always feels weird awkward. Weird voice that you put on there. Uh, Look, okay. I'm tired. Patreon.com forward slash candlelit tales and we will graciously receive your support. We will. Also, shut up. <laughs> Okay, we're going to tell Aaron, you really shut sad. up and tell me a story. Okay. One day, Cucullan was invited to a great feast in Awanmaka. He travelled from his home in Dundalgan with his chariot driver leg and his two magical horses. The most magical horses in all Ireland pulling his chariot before him. The Black of Shangleen and the grey of Maka. As he set out, he noticed a strange sense of trepidation come before him. Three times seven was his age at this stage, yet so much had gone before in that short span of time. And as he travelled towards Maka, he reflected upon the many times he'd come there before. Since the very first, when he was still known by the name his mother had given him, Satanta. Shortly afterwards, he faced... Cullen's hound, and when Kaffa the druid told him the name Ku Cullen would live on the lips of storytellers till the end of time, well, he quickly changed his name, and had been known by that name ever since. He knew he had been destined for great things. Everyone in Ulster said it, from the time of his birth. And now he was very much the uncontested champion of Ulster, unbeatable though he was in combat. He still somehow felt that, up until now, no great victories were truly his. And however fierce his reputation had been, once he'd been trained by Skahak the Shadowy One and High Hilda Alba, 
there was no one who could stand against him. It had been Skark, after all, who had gifted him the great magic spear, the Gay Bulga, crafted out of the bones of sea monsters. He thought of Ferdia at the ford, and Kanla on Balia's strand. For all the victories it had brought him, there had been no glory, only tragedy and heartbreak. As he came close enough to see the warm lights of Onmaka, a crow flew past him. He was reminded of the Morrigan, the goddess of war, whose advances and offers of help he had refused, leaving her insulted and infuriated. A cold shiver went down his spine. The Morrigan was the guardian of his death, and he knew she was always watching. He had killed so many men of Ireland during the cattle raid of Cooley for the Brown Bull, that it was said that everyone in Ireland had a blood debt to Cúchulain. He had killed a powerful druid by the name of Calatin and his 27 sons and sisters' sons at the ford. He wondered at this strange thought. He wondered of all the men he had killed why this, now, Calatin was springing to mind. He dismissed it as an old memory and went on his way. Better left alone, he thought. On this day he had been called to Awanmaka to attend a feast in his honour. He had no knowledge of what was in store. As he entered the hall he was given a warm reception. A feast was laid out before him. The men and women of Ulster praised him and King Crohon MacMassa gave him the champion's portion before anyone else was served. Food and drink flowed, and troubled mind was laid at rest as music filled his senses. King Crohor was not so at ease. He ate little and motioned only for the musicians to keep playing long into the night. The king had every right to be worried. The fighting men of Ulster were this moment struck down by the pains due to the curse of Maka. And he knew Cúchulain's life was in danger. An army was on their way to destroy him and Cruhor knew that if his champion Cúchulain was killed, the end of Ulster's golden era as the most feared province was at its end. Queen Maeve of Connacht was very good at keeping a grudge and she had a bitter hatred for Cúchulain after the bloodshed of the Thorn Bokunla. But she also knew she was powerless to defeat him. This was why she had been waiting for six very special people to return from learning druidic magic and training in dark arts till she could do anything about it. These six siblings had only recently returned and as soon as they had, Maeve amassed a huge army of everyone in Ireland that had a blood debt to pay against Cúchulain. The purpose of this war waged on Ulster was simple. They fought for no spoils, no cattle nor bulls. Maeve meant only to set out and kill Cúchulain. Since nearly everyone in Ireland at this time had similar feelings towards Cúchulain, it was not very hard to gather a great force to march on Ulster. Everyone knew or was related to someone who had been killed by Cúchulain in one fight or another. 
But Queen Maeve had little hope in any of these warriors doing anything other than setting off the curse of Maka and removing the rest of the Crave Rua from the fight. A valuable thing indeed. But the six. It was all about these six young druids recently returned to Ireland. Three boys and three girls. Sex tuplets. These were the last remaining children of the mighty druid, Caliton. Though Cucullin had killed the druid along with his 27 sons and sister sons by the edge of the forge during the Tonbo Kunla, Caliton's wife had watched him die with children growing inside her womb. Queen Maeve knew these children would have the magic of their father flowing through their veins, maybe even more. She was right. She knew she would not have to wait long. She could wait. She wanted to maximize their power. So when they were born, she made sure they wanted for nothing. And she was sure they were sent to bed with the story of their father's death in their ears. And any time she could, she would tell them who it was they should blame, who had killed their father, the vicious Hound of Ulster. When they were old enough, she sent them away to train, first to high-heeled Alba to learn druidic magic and spells, and then to the barbaric lands of Babylon to enhance their training and learning even more of the wicked spells and sounds and motions that meant they knew even more than their father had ever known before. And now that Maeve had the three sons and daughters of Caliton and an army marching on Ulster, she knew Cucullin's life was soon to end. As soon as they had marched, the Crave Rua were struck by the curse, and Crahor knew he was in trouble. His spies told him everything else. That was when he had invited Cucullin to the feast in his honour. But not long after the feast began, the three daughters of Caliton, going ahead of the great army, came to Awanmaka. These three daughters of Caliton made a cast of spells and called up an image of warriors. Through their waving of their hands, wind swept and called up leaves and grasses, branches, and even moved trees to create the image and illusion of a great host surrounding Awanmaka. They made the sounds of battle erupt all around the fort. They wished to draw out the Ulster champion to face them. Knowing the trickery behind it, Rahur encouraged his musicians to play louder to drown out the sounds of battle. So no matter how much noise the Daughters of Caledon created and made with battle cries, war drums, shrieks of death and clashing of swords, Rahur's musicians and minstrels matched it with their own beating of Bauron's fierce melody and joyous song to distract their hero, Cucullin. Kurahor even managed to entice some of the heroes of the Crave Rua while under the curse of Maka and experiencing the pains of a woman in childbirth to come in and distract Kukulin with a few jokes. And their forced laughter through gritted teeth ensured he remained oblivious. But after three days and three nights of this, they knew they could not keep it up. The daughters of Caliton were relentless. Their apparitions grew in volume and vision, and finally, 
A shroud of smoke and fire exploded in the sky above them and pierced through the music. Cucullin started at the noise. He made to move and make himself ready to ride out and fight against some onslaught, but the king's druid, Akafa, and the women around him convinced him it was illusion and a trick. Kruor thought to bring him to the the Valley of the Deaf, so named because no sound from the surrounding lands could ever penetrate a point within the valley. He asked the beautiful wife of Conal Kiernock, Lendlever, to take Cúchulain away to Glownamour. She was only delighted to be given the task, with her husband's consent of course, given through gritted teeth as it was. She hurriedly took him away. She was instructed to keep Cúchulain thoroughly distracted and engaged throughout their time together in the valley. No matter what kind of sounds and the daughters of Caledon made, Cúchulain was sure it would not be heard in Glanamour. So Cúchulain was led into the house by Lindever in the bottom of the valley. She entertained him as best she could and for three days and three nights nothing seemed important but each other's company and their physical embrace. And Cúchulain was glad to fill his senses with the scent of a woman, for his head had been heavy and filled with troublesome thoughts. Eventually, one of the daughters of Caledon grew sick and weary with this, so she changed her form, shape shifted and took on the persona and appearance of Lowercombe, the elderly satirist of Ulster. She walked down to Cúchulain, calling out that he was a coward. She ran to him, crying, and told him he was a disgrace for letting Ulster burn. He was needed, she said, that they needed him to protect the men, the women, the children of Ulster. They were being killed at this very moment by an army driven by Queen Maeve, and it was an army made up of all of the men who had a blood debt to him. It was his fault, all his fault and he hiding away in the Valley of the Deaf. She threatened Cúchulain that she would write a satire about him, telling everyone how despicable and cowardly his behaviour was, how afraid he was to fight this army. Cúchulain leapt to his feet, catching the bait between his teeth. He told Laig to ready his chariot and yoke the horses. Laig went to the Black of Shanglin, and Cúchulain went to the Grey of Maka. But for the very first time, the grey turned away from him. He tried to fasten the bridle, but the grey turned away his heavy head once again. Any time he asked, he had always answered, but not this time. So a third time he cast his hand, but the grey turned away, so Cucullan had to grab and hold firmly, not letting him get away, and pull the grey's head toward him and the bridle in his hand. Cucullin then saw a drop of red blood round and run down the grey of Maka's face, falling in a teardrop till it hit the ground. An ill omen, for sure. His mother came towards him then, and it was their tradition for her to bless him before he went into battle. She poured a glass of wine and he put it to his lips, but spat it out quickly. The wine had turned to blood. She tried again to bless her son with a cup of wine, but once more turned to blood. A third time she attempted to bless her son before he went into the fight. Once more, Cucullin had to spit out a wine that had turned to blood in his mouth. He shook his head solemnly, 
gave Laig his signal to ride the horses out of the Valley of the Deaf, leaving his weeping mother Dectra behind him. If today was the day he would die, Cúcolum thought that at least he would face it knowingly, and perhaps this would be the day he would finally do his greatest deed and win in battle like no one ever before. Perhaps this was the day that storytellers would speak of until the end of time for the great and many heroic deeds he would surely do. So he spurred on the chariot, full of vigour and newfound exhilaration for the fight. He was not afraid of death. Death feared the Irish after all. As they rode out of Glen Lamar, the sound of battle hit his ears. He saw the fields burning, an army of spectres all around them devastating the province, but as they came closer and drove through the field, the images disappeared, like smoke evaporating in front of his eyes. Leaves and grasses used to make the illusion fell away, leaving nothing but empty land before him. More visions and trickery. He realised he could not trust his senses. The sound of battle and shrieking and death were phantom noises and they were playing only in his head and his head alone. The fields were not burning, not yet. The army was not within reach, not yet. He would have to wait until he found them. They slowed their pace and set off steadily to Ulster's border. They came to a river crossing at a ford and they saw an old crone cleaning down and scrubbing blood from armour. She turned and smiled with a twinkle of black in her eye. She said, I am washing the blood of the armour of Cucullin today. And she laughed hideously. He recognised the Kaliak, the Morrigan in this shape and they drove on. But it was not long until they came to a clearing by the side of the road. Three women were about a fire and they called Cucullin to join them. They offered him meat. He accepted at first, not wanting to seem rude, but then fell back and rejected once he realised what they were eating. The three old crones were cooking the flesh of a hound, Cucullin's namesake. And the one meat he was forbidden to eat, unless he was willing to evoke the doom of breaking a gash. Once he refused, the three women began to jeer and call on him. They ridiculed him for being too well fed in the feasting halls of Maka to ever be willing to eat with simple people, with simple meat and simple pleasures. They laughed and said he was too proud to ever eat by their side. What with being too good for them after all? Cucullin could not abide by this. He sat down and stubbornly asked for a piece of meat, claiming he was above no one, and no one or anything was below him. The three women smiled at this and gave him the meat, but as soon as he took the piece of meat in his mouth, he felt all of his otherworldly strength drain from him at once. He dropped the piece out of his mouth, and it landed on his arm and then rolled off onto his leg, and he felt his entire left side of his body go completely numb. He was weakened and now so weak he could barely drag himself to the chariot. All of the godlike strength he had had was now gone. But he was nonetheless resolute and determined to face whatever fight he was to fight that day. 
If this was to be the day of his death, then he would face it with triumph in his heart. Leg whipped the horses and drove them onwards. As he rode the chariot down towards the army that was crossing the border, he saw four men coming towards him. Three sons of Caledon, and a man named Lugid Makuroi. Kuroi had been killed, like many others, by Kukulin in a battle gone before, and Lugid, his son, was here to pay him back for that. Now the three sons of Caledon had seen a prophecy that the first three spears Kukulin threw on this fateful day would kill three kings. And so under Maeve's orders they came to try and get those three spears from him. The first of the sons of Caledon called to Kukulin, Kukulin, give me one of your spears or I will satirize your name. Kukulin replied, Never let it be said that I am not a generous person, and he threw the first spear right through the heart of the first son of Caledon. Then, Lugid Makuroi picked up that spear and threw it back at Cucullin, missing him by inches but hitting Leg, his charioteer and best friend, right through his breast. Leg fell with the spear right through him, breathing his dying breath on the ground. Through sudden tears, Cucullin saw the second son of Caledon coming towards him. And then he asked for a spear too. Cucullin refused, saying he had given enough to satisfy his honour, but the son of Caledon threatened to satirise Ulster if he did not. So, Cucullin said, Never let it be said that Ulster will lose his honour because of its champion. And he threw the spear right through the neck of the second son of Caledon who fell down dead. Once more, Lugid Makuroi retrieved that spear, took aim and threw it at Kukulin, but he missed him again and instead. The second spear went through the neck of the Grey of Maka, who cried a desperate ear-piercing shriek and kicked till at last he too fell and lay down and died. The third son of Caledon asked for his third spear and threatened he would satirize Cucullin's family if he did not give it to him. Cucullin replied, never let it be said I brought dishonor to my family. And Cucullin threw the spear straight through his gut. Lugud Makuroi picked up the spear as he had done before, and threw it straight and true at Cucullin, who did not have the strength to duck or dive or dance around. The third spear hit Cucullin through his gut. He knew it was a killing blow. And so the prophecy came true, but unbeknown to those three who had perceived it. The first three spears Cucullin threw killed three kings. Laeg, the king of charioteers, the grey of Maka, the king of horses, and Cucullin, the king of warriors. He was near death's door, but not there just yet. He dragged himself to the water's edge, pooled his hands together and drank from it, reviving himself somewhat. He staggered then to a standing stone in the middle of a field, and he saw the men of Ireland gather around him, waiting 
and watching, fearful for him still to have strength or any battle rage left in him. Cucullin did not want to die lying down like a dog in the dirt, so he gritted his teeth and holding his side as blood oozed from his wound he pulled himself up onto the standing stone. With nothing else to hold himself up, he used his innards and his guts to tie himself around that stone so he would not fall over. He tied his right hand up, holding his sword, and glared at the men of Arden then, as if daring them to come before him before he died. No one did. As life strained away from him, once more he thought back over his life and all of the valour and victory that he had not been part of, for all of the tragedies he had been in, the lack of brilliance, for the heartbreak and the suffering he'd endured, and a thought occurred to him that it did, in fact, make a pretty good story. It might well be tied together one day. And as that thought went through his mind, the black hooded crow landed down the morrigan, the guardian of his death, that he did know. She began to peck at his innards and guts that had fallen on the floor. But she tripped and she fell, bird beak landing face full of Cucullin's blood. And in that moment, Cucullin breathed his last breath in a heart-filled laugh. The King of Warriors died with a smile on his lips. This podcast was produced and edited by Rory O'Shea and Oshin Ryan, with music by Rory O'Shea. You can find out more about us on our website, candlelittales.ie, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Candlelit Tales. And for videos and live streams, like and subscribe to our Candlelit Tales YouTube channel, which now has a Candlelit Tales for Kids playlist. Hashtag Candlelittletales. Liking and subscribing to our channels really helps us grow and get to more people. And if you're able to give us more direct support, you can chip in a few bob at patreon.com forward slash candlelittales or make a one-time donation through the PayPal button on our website. We'll be talking about this story on a live stream very soon, Check out our social media for details. We'd love to hear back from you with any questions you may have, so please contact us directly or leave your question in the comment section below, because what we really want to do is get these stories out there, share them with as many people as possible, and so anything you can do to help we really appreciate. And we especially appreciate you listening.